Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly Podcast. Back on a Monday. We told you we'd be changing things up. Uh, my name is Chris. I am, of course, your host. And I can confirm that there is only two of us today. It's just me and Phil. How are you doing, Phil? I am well. I am well. Excellent. Off on your travels shortly. So uh, we will be uh, getting through this one as best we can um, at the, the fastest pace time with so many things to talk about. And of course, we've got France upcoming as well, which we'll also mention later on in the show. But we're going to jump into the Liga action first of all. Um, and in an unpopular move, maybe I thought we'd start at the bottom this week, because why not work our way upwards from the from the bottom up? The probably the biggest result of the weekend, I think, anyway, if you look at it uh, in a, the grand scheme of things, was Leon, who finally, after six months, which even that stat in itself sounds a bit nuts, have finally got a victory. Uh, they won away at Wren, who are a story all on their own, which we may get some uh, get some moments to touch on as well. Should stress, Leon are still bottom, so you know it's it's not all changed just yet. But an unlikely hero in Irishman O'Brien, Jake O'Brien, with the winning goal. I think it's fair to say Wren were massively affected by the early red card that they received to to Douwe, and that seemed to halt their progress, but they weren't particularly great full stop. But performance aside, I just want to kind of get your your take on what this could mean for Leon. You saw the players' reactions. I think the pitch I'm going to use for the, the podcast this week will have one of those in. Um, it felt like a really big turning point um, and away from home to beat Red is generally not an easy thing to do. Does this present an opportunity for them to slowly but surely now clamber their way out, do you think? Or are you more on the side of red card affected game and they got fortunate enough to get three points? I think it's too early to say it's a turning point, but you can understand why the players and the fans were relieved to finally win something. Um, it should be mentioned that Ren haven't been on the greatest run of form. Um, they've got one point after the last five games, which is the worst in uh, the league. So this, I think, was more of Leon just going Thank fuck for that. We're going to have to see much more from them to see if this is a turning point. Yeah. Because it doesn't look very turning at the moment. It could just be a blip. You know, Claremont have got, what, eight points out of the last five and they're 17th. So it's not... It's somewhat great, but it's less bad than it was before. I think that's going to be my view until we've got a run together. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a start. And I suppose some people look at this and go, well, it, it's it's a terrific win. It's away from home. It's probably against the it's against the, the grain, if you will. But it, it comes right off the back of we're going into an international break. So all that momentum they would have got, it's either going to enthuse the training ground for a couple of weeks or that luck or happiness is going to evaporate before they play again. But um, Yeah, I think this is always the case with an international break, is if you go into it on a loss, you can um, dwell on that 
too much and given how bad things had been up until this point that would have meant a lot of people doing a lot of dwelling whereas this is a bit more okay that's fine that's good we can go into the return of the league um without necessarily feeling that depressed about things yeah so you know it's it's, a big uh, i think that's more of what it is again it's they're gonna have to do more to convince me that they're not screwed yeah but again with Wren obviously they played last week in Europe as well got a really good 3-1 win against uh, Panathinaikos despite having someone sent off in that game as well Mm. so maybe this was a bit that they'd had to expend so much energy there. And then here in the league game, they're down to 10 men pretty quickly and they know they're not in good form. So they were a bit hard and it just kind of didn't click and fell apart a bit for them. Yeah. And and it's four defeats in five in the league for Ren now. They are, I mean, they're in 13th place. Like they are, I mean, technically, if you look at the points, they are literally one point away from being in the relegation playoff place, which is kind of nuts. They are, they've almost gone reverse this year. They've gone well in Europe, but. The clumping, I think, when you look at uh, the teams on 12 and 13 points, it's basically the bottom half of the table Mm. and then the relegation zone. So, I'm not sure that is the issue, but for them and for Toulouse, who, again, have a great European fixture, Mm. their league form is bad, as is Strasbourg. They've just not pinned a win for a long time now. And so that's going to be problematic. They started strongly, but now things are kind of, tipping off a bit and mm. it all depends where you started like Brest haven't won in five yeah but because they started so well they're still in the top half of the table so it's still very difficult to actually pin down where all these teams are yeah it's the but same you situation. can see that several of them are not having a happy time at the moment no no, same situation for Lav, who we'll come on to in a minute. They've had such a good start to the season that if they do have a rough spell, which you feel they probably will at some point, they're probably high enough up that hopefully that won't have a big issue. Mm. Um, just on the sending off as well, Guella Due, who is sent off, I I felt it was a red. Some of the commentary I've seen suggested it was a bit harsh. For me, it was a very clear stamping motion, which is, I think, what triggered the referee to pull the red and Ultimately, that uh, cost them the game. And the longer it went on, the more I thought, Leon are just not going to get a goal here, are they? And it came from a set piece, um, probably predictably, but they did get over the line. They did get the victory. Um, just out of interest, by the way, Leon's next three fixtures, uh, three nice easy ones, Lille, Lens, Marseille. So uh, sandwich it sandwiched after that with Toulouse, Monaco and, and Nantes. So yeah, it, definitely not out of the woods yet, but... It's a start. We've all, all got to start somewhere. Um, and then moving on to a team or other teams, I should say, that are in sort of a bit of a pickle as well. Um, 
Claremont beat Lorient by a goal to nil. And as it pains me to say and give them credit, Claremont, uh, with that victory, narrowed the gap to Lorient. It was a very much a, ba- a bo- battle at the bottom, I should say. Um, two points the gap now. So Claremont up to nine points, still second bottom, but they've closed that gap to Lorient, who slip into that relegation playoff spot. Big win for Claremont. Um, credit to them. But it, it also just drags Lorient, I say, into that spot. And don't get me wrong, I thought it might be a tougher season this year for for, uh, for Lorient and, and for Libris, who very close to leaving in the summer, let's not forget, and he clung on. I just wonder if that's what's hanging over them now, because it's, it's just not been a, a particularly good season um, for Lorient. And, and losing a, a game like this, Nicole Eisen with the winner, by the way, from the penalty spot, it just sows that seed of doubt, doesn't it, for, for a club who had previously looked pretty comfortable in Ligue 1 to suddenly start looking over their shoulder again. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know more about Lorient than I do, but with Claremont, like I said, they've got um, eight points from the last five. They have put something together after a dicky start to the season. And they also have a game in hand lest we forget. So I think that is going to make certain teams above them. And Lorient are not in the worst form of that plump Mm. on 12. Um, To think that particularly if they've got that game in hand, which is against Montpellier, who do blow hot and cold massively, that they aren't far off, um, you know, getting themselves up into the clump, as mm. it were. Um, so I think, yes, as a Lorient fan or a Strasbourg fan or a Toulouse fan or a Ren fan, I would be nervous about that situation, mm. um, that they seem to be hitting some form at a time they need to. It's yeah. going to be, you know, another six games or something before Christmas, that's going to be when we can take a better look at the table and go, oh yeah, they're screwed, they're not. Mm. Um, Claremont aren't far away from getting up into the, well, someone's got to go down rather than they're going down kind of category. They're putting a run sort of of sorts together at the right time, Claremont. Two wins and two draws from the last five. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, like you say, Lorient's form is, is patchy at best. Two defeats, two draws and a win. Um, and all of a sudden, like you said, those games in hand. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Strasbourg, of course, have got that game in hand now from the weekend as well. Because um, they didn't play. <clears throat> oh, got a, got a right tickle there. Uh, that's, <coughs> that's going to be the 7th of December. It mm. says here, um, which will be Strasbourg away at Brest. So who knows what's going to happen there. But now we're into the bit of the season where weather and various other things, disciplinary issues, etc., uh, start to put games in hand that it really makes it very difficult to see what's going on. Hopefully by the time we hit Christmas, 
we will actually have had everybody play the same number of games, which does make a difference. Yeah. Um, so then we'll we'll have a better idea, as I say, yeah. what's going on. Yeah, for sure. And if <clears throat> if you look at oh, this is not going to run away, is it? Um, if you look at Marseille downwards, we'll come on to Marseille in a second. But yeah, it's basically from tenth to 16th there's two points which is yeah. kind of bonkers really but yeah as you rightly say i think it, it will be time to um the, the time to come with the games that are upcoming before the christmas period is when we'll start to see it but with that leon win and and the clermont win uh, over Lorient, i'm certainly looking over my shoulder that's for sure um a couple of other results you did mention toulouse are in the mix as well they drew 1-1 with Lille at the weekend which is probably a result which uh, better suits to lose than Lille. Um, Lille's still going well in Europe, though, so again, they're sort of having a good time there, at least. Um, Drawing at Sloven Bratislava, my notes just say head desk. Yeah, it was a bit. They did enough to win it, in my opinion. For based on what I saw, they did they did more than enough to win the game, but ultimately didn't, and that's uh, that's what what they're going to reflect on. But they're in a good position in the group and, and should be in a position to get through that group. So I guess that's really all you need to do. Um, you had a decent weekend for Montpellier, though a nil nil draw with Nice. I got a their binary got... set of results continues. Oh um... God! I, I got a text from from Adam Burgo on this, and um, it literally said. I'm not having Nice because <laughs> no, he was I, he was doing I commentary. I actually put money on it being a one 0 win for Nice. Mm. Um, but when you look overall, um, Aker Adams from Montpellier hit the woodwork twice. Yeah, so despite the fact that the shots on target look bad for Montpellier, I mean. Woodwork is a shot off target. I it was that was a really frustrating game for me to watch as a Montpellier fan. But with Nice, you could still see them doing their thing. We mm. only need one goal, and then we'll sit on it. They just didn't get it. They're still yeah. unbeaten. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean, yeah. they're second now after PSG. Um, went top, but the consistency that they can put together is, you know, something to think about at the top end of the table. You just have to wonder. I think, as we said, maybe you said last week, that if you're only going to win 1 0 repeatedly, that um, that does mean you are trading a slight knife edge. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it really does because you have to be, you have, you, you really do have to be kind of consistent um, to to keep that going. And you, and you, I mean, defensively they are still pretty good, no doubt. But yeah, it, it does yeah. feel. Uh, I think to quote Adam, yeah, not having them, I kind of agree. The weirdest thing about Nice, I find as well, is that for a for a team that's got two pretty, um, how can I put it? Two pretty competent strikers in in Moffy and and Laborde. They just don't look a goal threat, which is a bit weird. Well, we did talk about this. I mean, several weeks ago, when there was that weird game against Leon, mm. that they just didn't seem to know who was going to score. Yeah, and that still they recovered a bit um, after that game, but it still doesn't look like they 
are supporting the strikers in the best way they could do. Maybe they're concentrating too much on the defence and mm. saying, well, someone will do something at some point. Yeah. And that doesn't always work out. So, no. You yeah, can't rely on that's, that. That's it. Who have they got next? Uh, nice. Have they, they you're have... the man with the table in front of him. I am just grabbing the fixtures now. So obviously this is post-international break. They go, they're at home to Toulouse, followed by away at Nantes, uh, followed by home to Ravs. So three fairly tough fixtures there, to be fair. Well, Toulouse isn't looking that tough at the moment. And Nantes, you'd also say, doable. Mm, Three straight defeats, yeah. Maybe you don't know what you're going to get from one day to the next, but... Mm. Yeah, I mean, they could well get back up on the horse somewhere. Mm. But, um, yeah, this was... They'll be frustrated they didn't win. Mm. And Montpellier will also be frustrated that one of those didn't go in from Adams. So this was a game which was, as I say, possibly a frustrating match for all concerned. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does look a fine, though, Adams. Definitely, really does look a fine. And uh, yeah, to to sell off one and bring in another, like for like, um, it does look like a pretty decent bit of business there for for him. Um, good result for, of course, the week that Jez isn't on. Mets go and smash three. Um, <laughs> they got a three-one win over. I Nantes. thought he'd be definitely on here and taking up thirty minutes to talk about <laughs> the beauty of all of the goals. Yeah, yeah. I thought. This was, I didn't see it coming because no. I mean, they were not that far apart in the table, but possibly yes. But um, just a, a 3 1 win at home, I think the fans are going to take a lot of heart from that. They're up now near the Ventremou, mm. as it were, the, the middle of the table, and just that looks more like a turning around than Leon's win, if yeah. you after yeah. a, a bad run of form. I think it, I think it's yes, yeah, a huge win, and and for a, for a team like like not uh, like not like Mets who are, you know, that like we said earlier on, getting points on the on the board before the Christmas break is going to be crucial to them. But yeah, to score three goals as well, three very good goals, um, and to beat not who yet. Yeah, three straight defeats, all of a sudden their form's gone off a cliff and they've conceded, what, eight goals in those three games? But nevertheless, uh, any win for, for Mets at home, particularly against what is likely to be still a rival in that bottom half of the table moving forwards is is a big one. So uh, enjoy it, Jez, enjoy it. There's one outlier that we are um, skirting around, which I feel we should do no more, and that's Marseille. Um, because going in opposite ends of the table, it only seems like a few weeks ago we were talking about Lons being, you know, sort of down the bottom end and having an awful start to the season. Well, suddenly they're up to sixth, unbeaten in five, and they beat Montpellier with almost the last kick or rather head of the game oh. on the Sunday night fixture, yeah, um, from Jonathan Grady. Um, we'll give we'll give Lons some credit in a second, but... Marseille, I mean, they went away in Europe and won two 0 in in Greece and and looked pretty good I thought you know, they held them at arm's length the opponents weren't fantastic if I'm honest but yeah. it looked like a good performance but Shinara Gattuso has got some serious questions asked of him now in league form because 
as you say, Marseille a tenth and a season for them finishing anywhere outside those top six positions is unthinkable. Um, that squad has been quite ex- expensively assembled. And yes, this was this was another another Sunday game that I settled in for thinking, hey, hey this is going to be a cracker. And it was bloody awful. But I, they, I, they still I lost I have it, to know? admit that I think I made it to 89 minutes and there was mm-hmm. something on the other side I wanted to watch. I went to the kitchen and heard the goal go in. So and I'm with I you thought, on that. Nothing's happening here and turned over. Yeah. And then Lance won. Mm. So good goal as well, to be fair. Good header at the new Always if I pop out to do anything, I to have a bag, take the laundry out of the washing machine. I'm always missing a goal. Yeah. And I should know this by now. But there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, IEK weren't great. What interested me about that Europa League game was Chancellor Mbemba got another one. Mm. He probably hasn't got many goals, but it feels like whenever I see Marseille play, he's scoring a goal. Mm. And he's not a striker. So that always makes me a little bit nervous. He's a presence. Um, yeah, the, if your strikers can't do it, then yeah. so is is that is that the biggest issue for Marseille? Because like you know, you look at you know, Aubameyang was whatever whatever you think of him, he was a risk because you know he came in at uh, sort of having been off the back of a pretty rough year at Chelsea and well, he was replaced back. for this yeah. game. They put Virginia. Up. Yeah, I thought he worked um, hard, but it just lacks that bit. I think worked. Mm. Uh, you could see why Catuso would do that. Mm. But given what they were up against, well, do they still, they still don't look balanced? I mean, you had Virginia... With Harrop behind him, Saar on the right. Saar also got. Saar also scored against IK. Mm. But Korea on the left, it just does look a bit lopsided. Mm. That, um, you know, Klaus is a very, very good right back. Is Lodi a very, very good left back? It looked like there was there was space for um, Lance to attack down the side where they didn't have the greatest players, and that's kind of how it worked out in the end. So mm. their fans so- still aren't happy, and Gutu no. say is admitting that, which I think is one step in terms of AA and the rest of it, Mm. but it's a bit weird, like you say, they're 10th at the moment and that's not going to go down well. And while there is, I think, some goodwill towards Gadusa at this point, for coming in and trying to sort things out, you know, mm. 
crack some heads together. You got Rogers out for three months. There's yeah. like now it's just a big miss that as well. Feels like this is going to be this could get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Um, on paper they're they're what they're doing. On paper their squad looks it looks a bit it looks like it's got quality, but it's quite unbalanced. And there's too many players at the moment, I think, that are out of form, Abamyang being yeah. one of those. I thought Harit was um, he worked hard, but nothing went for him last night. Um, there's a few. You talk about the fullbacks like Klaus and and Lodi. I think are very good fullbacks if you play them at wing back, but they're not very good defensive fullbacks, mm. um, which is an issue. And the centre halves, yeah, I mean Gigo will give you 100, percent and Bamba is a, is a, a fairly reliable centre back, but they're not elite level. I'm st- I'm still not a hundred percent sure on the goalkeeper. Um, Bellardi seems to get sent off every time I see. Yeah, Bellardi's not the, this one. But, no, he's the classic. Know. He's the classic like Romero at Spurs. He, you know, there's ability there, but he just seems to his head goes walkies halfway through games. And yeah, I just and and I, I never thought I'd ever say this, but I feel like they're missing Alexis Sanchez that they had last year. That industry in the forward line looks sadly missing. And those two big signings they made in the summer, um, Ismail Asar and Nandai, they were supposed to be the the injection of speed and thrust through that that sort of through the channels through the wings. Both just look horribly shorn of form. Like Saar in particular yesterday was just looked so off it. Um, but yeah, I mean. I guess we'll see what what is to come from Marseille, but we should give a little bit of love to Lonslow because I mean, the, again, the job that that Franquez is doing there for them to yep. be on the brink of qualification and Champions League, um, the BT or TNT, whatever they're called now, commentary team did did make did make reference to the fact that he has credit in the bank. So I think even if Lons did finish mid table this year, he'd still be heralded for the job he's doing. And let's not forget the jobs he's doing because he does a lot at Lons. But to take them from what fifteenth a few weeks ago to suddenly into into European places in sixth, uh, and unbeaten in five. I mean, and not fantastic. doing badly in. Oh no! I mean, they're, they're arguably the group of death. They're on the brink, yeah. A group of death. Yeah. Um, you know, they're third in the Champions League group, but that only because of head to head against PSV. Yeah, they're on the same points. So if you severe look done mm. so yes it's a it's a very interesting kind of situation and you kind of think because Lance aren't a huge club mm. that last year's result was that's fucking phenomenal and yeah. then the fans are also going to be looking at we're playing in the Champions League and we're not being humiliated mm. which I know is a, a low bar but you know, they are joint second in mm. that group and those fans are always going to be bang behind him and behind the players. Yeah. They're not going to be moping and whinging about not being top of the group. No. So it's it still feels like a very, very positive uh, atmosphere there, mm. and they are Coupe de France uh, uh, allowing, you know, nearly up there with the European places. So, mm. 
I think they'll they'll be very happy. I don't think you're going to see any criticism coming no. from there, which obviously atmospherically, mm. that sounds like weather, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like Marseille fans are going to be fucking pissed off. Yeah. Lawrence fans are going to be really happy. There's only three points between them. They're realistic, Lons. That's the thing, isn't yeah. it? You know, they're, they're riding the crest of a wave and they're having a wonderful time doing it. But yeah, I wanted to give them some credit because that was, albeit a late result, you know, I think overall they probably just about deserved it and fair play to them. So excellent performance overall. Um, not so much an excellent performance as we come back to the top end of the table for Monaco, who dropped points against La Havre, um, who put in a real shift in this game and were oh. very unfortunate to not win it in the 98th minute of the game, they were awarded a penalty only for Samuel Grancier to miss it. Um, so it could have been a lot worse for Monaco, but um, ultimately I think Lav will, in cold light of day, I think they'll see it as a point gained. But yeah, Monaco um, just, I don't know, it's weird what's going on there. They seem, the goals seem to be drying up all of a sudden. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know what it is. They were in such good form. And then all of a sudden, yeah, blank at Lille. They did beat uh, did beat Brest two of course, a few weeks ago. But close close one close run win over Mets the week before that. So, yeah, not not the result they were looking for at all. Um, but good good point for Lahav, and not the result that Rams were looking were looking for. Mm. Probably probably an expected one though, and that was PSG turning up and winning three nil. Um, a certain K Mbappe. Uh, decided that he would um, take the game into his own hands. Yeah, uh, he's uh, cheered up, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> amazing what amazing what a hat trick can do for a player, isn't it? But he looked absolutely electric in this game, and he tore rounds to pieces. And if that's a sign of the Mbappe we're going to get, you know, for the rest of the season, then that's frightening, isn't it? Well, I think we've been looking at Mbappe and saying, well, is he scoring and? This was always something where, because they're fighting on two fronts, and I think his focus, as well as the club's focus, is on the Champions League. Um, But in the league, you do have to do something. Mm. What was very interesting was um, I was looking at the XG between the posts put out their kind of XG tracker, and that was like 1.4 versus 2.5. Rams weren't uh, beaten in the way that a 3 0 scoreline suggests, mm. I think. And that might be the one downside uh, if you're a PSG fan that you're looking at that. It wasn't as easy as it looked, I think. And uh, I mean, that first goal came from basically nothing. Mm. But then after that, things were fairly level. But Mbappe did get the two goals that, in a sense, he should have got later yeah. on. So that made three, and Rance just didn't manage to, to get through. So I think... It looks a better result than it is, but PSG, frankly, won't care because it's it's a win. It puts them top of the table. 
what they're going to be more annoyed about, obviously, is the uh, the game against uh, AC Milan. Yeah. yeah, when things did not go well. No, that was that was a weird one, and I almost felt like they owed PSG a performance. Um, it almost feels that in Europe this year they're just relying on the home form, and they do play Newcastle next. I think if they win that, it's pretty much done and dusted. But yeah, the the AC Milan one would would have raised old concerns because some of that defending, particularly for the well, the, the second was, goal, they just this stopped was playing. the thing because Skriniar got the goal for PSG because they lost two one. Skriniar mm. gets the goal, but defensively, he all over the shop. Bad. Yeah. And I, I watched well, him at Inter, and he always, don't get me wrong, he hasn't got any pace, but he was always a pretty reliable, steady defender at Inter, and at PSG, he just looks like a truck. He, he right? was all out of position all the time. Right? Mm. And yeah. obviously, um, AC Milan's first goal from uh, Liao was yeah. decent, exciting. Yeah. But I think we all were more excited at FFW Towers about Olivia Giroud. He's uh, just getting, getting he's just a second. He's and, ageless, isn't he? I mean, like, well, I saw 37? the, the um, FFF put out a tweet saying it's 12 years since his first call up. And I had forgotten he was called up before Montpellier won the league. Yeah. He was called up in November. 2011 mm. uh, for a couple of friendlies and came on a sub a couple of times. Um, and yes, it it makes you remember how he wasn't a young guy when he was doing that season. He'd done it. He'd Paid his dues, as it mm. were. He'd done the hard running for Grenoble yeah. Tour and whatever before he got to Montpellier and had that astounding season where mm. he was top scorer, they won the league, and then he goes off to Arsenal. Yeah. But yeah. the fact he's still going is great. And I I think it was uh, Philippe Auclair talking on French Football Weekly saying, uh, Football Weekly saying, it doesn't so much matter that he's older and losing pace because he never had pace to start with. Yeah. That's the thing. He always had intelligence. Yeah. And he's still got that intelligence because you don't lose that to your your 80 or so. So. He's selfless as well, isn't he? Like his movement creates space for others yes. so much. And and I mean, talk to anyone in the France France national setup about how important he is. And we all remember how Didier Deschamps sort of uh, originally when Mbappe was really kicking into gear, was trying to move the forward line around to well, really, it was to accommodate Benzema, wasn't it, at that point in time? And it just didn't work. Bring back Olivier Giroud and France looked great again. It's it's just it, it's fantastic, and I, I have a suspicion that they're probably going to try and look to get the same from um, Marcus Turam as they get from Giroud in the long run, because it feels like he's got a similar type of presence in the way he plays, but Giroud is going to be such a miss when when his time comes, and um, much much the same way that, that Zlatan's become a, a, an icon at AC Milan, you can imagine Giroud 
going on for a bit longer there as well. So um, yeah, just 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 a lovely guy, and it's nice to see him happy. And uh, as for PSG, like I say, win this weekend, they are back in on top of Liga, where I think most people expected them to be. They're now a point clear. Um, and I think we probably know what's going to happen from here, but we shall see. Um, one other uh, note we should just touch on as well, because we've kind of gone through the European uh, teams. I think we've pretty much covered all the European teams, but one result we did skip over, which is worth mentioning, is to lose game with Liverpool, because that was kind of bonkers fun, wasn't it? And uh, with that win, they've put themselves in a position where they could get through a group that looked nigh impossible when they were drawn into it. So uh, did you did you see this one last week, Phil? Yes, particularly after the home game at Anfield for Liverpool. Mm. You're thinking, oh, crikey, the best thing to lose a guessing out of this is a thank you tweet from the Liverpool Metropolitan Police. Yeah. Oh, they were really nice. Um... I knew that was going to happen when uh, it was this game because that's not a dig at Liverpool fans, that's a dig at the French police, frankly. Mm. But get 3-2 and oh, the tension. Mm. I mean, lose the 2-0 up, then there was an own goal, kind of, but then Toulouse went Back ahead, then Jota scores for Liverpool. Then there was, a, you know, a disallowed goal. I mean, it was chaos, and you saw the level of the chaos. I'm sure you've all seen the um, the clip of uh, Jurgen Klopp afterwards saying, "Who decided to have the press conference here?" Because you could hear the fans in the background celebrating. Mm. Well, of course they're going to celebrate, and maybe they don't have a press room. I mean, I imagine Toulouse do have a press room. A lot of people seem to be saying, well, they're a small club, so they have just a tent on the field. Yeah. Toulouse do have, you know, rooms and a stadium, and I don't know exactly how that happened, but that was kind of hilarious but after this game which was so high drama mm. that it was I was you know praying that they held on yeah um, and, and they did and it, it's wonderful yeah yes of course their fans are going to celebrate it being snarky about that when you're one of the biggest clubs in the world seemed a little bit actually. Mm. Uh, but like I said, with you know, them going into the game against Lille and Marseille after their match, Rennes after their match, that they're really putting everything into this Europa mm. kind of uh, campaign and it is clearly going to have an effect afterwards yeah but yeah. I think their fans are going to be like fuck the league we just beat Liverpool and that is something that everybody there is going to remember for forever yeah and that was just a 
wonderful, um, a wonderful kind of demonstration of what it means to the inverted commas smaller teams. Mm. That if you pull off a result like that, a bit like Lance versus Arsenal, you know, we're we're here, we're gonna fight, whatever, but we are gonna celebrate at the fuck out of this. Yeah. That's just uh, a wonderful thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree. I, th- I think it's, yeah, I think it's one of those results that, you know, in hindsight, Liverpool probably, you know, they well, they, they are going to qualify um, yeah. nine points. But Toulouse have put themselves in a really good position now with seven points now. Um, you feel that one win from the last two would, would put them through, which would be a big, big uh, achievement for them. And on nights like that, you um, you just have to enjoy it at the end of the day. So fair play to Toulouse. Also, I'm I'm going to say possibly the best shirt in Mm. that uh, in that competition. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Love the purple and the striped. It looks so wonderful. Yeah, it's very much the Fiorentina um, Fiorentina esque style, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, big fan as well. Um, Excellent stuff. But yeah, Toulouse put themselves in a position where they could well get themselves uh, into the second stage. So good luck to them. Uh, just before we go, do just want to give it a passing a passing mention, um, the France squad upcoming, because things are, are, are coming into the international break. Now we've got two weeks off. Um, we may or may not record next week, not 100% sure, because France's fixtures are... Um, they're not the most exciting, if I'm honest. They're both Euro qualifiers, but Gibraltar at home and Greece away. Um, I think I'm right in saying that a win against Gibraltar will secure qualification anyway. Um, in fact, actually, haven't they? I'm, I'm questioning myself now. I think France already threw, actually. I think I'm telling complete mm-hmm. porkies. Um, but yeah, either way, they're not the most it, it's sort of standout of fixtures. So um, we we may, we may not. Uh, yeah, France already qualified. What am I talking about? So they're largely meaningless games. You would probably expect a bit of rotation, uh, but we'll see what next week brings. But just to let you know, the, the squads or the squad, I should say, that Didier Deschamps has selected, um, most of it's the same are Ario Lemagnon, Brice Samba, the goalkeepers, Klaus, Luca Hernandez, Teo Hernandez, Konate, Kunde, Saliba is back. Uh, they also sent the backs Jean Claude Didibo and Deo of Meccano at the defence and the midfield of Kamavinga, Yusuf Afana of Monaco. Slightly surprising because he's not been in great form, but he's in there. Bubakar Kamara of Aston Villa very much deserves that call up. Adrian Rabio, uh, one other person we'll mention in a second. And then the forwards, Kingsley Coman, Osman Dembele, Olivier Giroud, Anton Griezmann, Randall Colomwani, Kylian Mbappe, and Marcus Turam. The one player I missed out of that was Warren Zaire Emery, who has achieved his first national team call up. Um, he's replacing Shumeni, who has that metatarsal injury, but more than deserves it. He should his have been up. in there anyway. Absolutely. Let's face yeah. it. Um, yeah. I don't know if did you see the PSG players celebrating? Yes, it was the, a, the big bed. A little um, a video they put out. All I'm thinking that's a very big bed. Mm, it a was very big bed. But I suppose if you will need to bundle on him and if you know congratulate him and everything, then fair enough. But mm. yeah, he's been. He's been really, really good. Yeah. And 
I think we could all see this coming. And the fact that he's replacing Chermeni, like I say, he should have been anyway. Mm. And I very much look forward to seeing him play next yeah. summer. Yeah, yeah. I... He, he is really, really good. Do you think and... he's going to... Do you, th- do you think, sorry to cut you off there, do you think he is going to potentially force his way into that midfield? Because, I mean, when you look at that, I mean, so Fafana's not been in great form. Kamara has been for Villa. what but... Deschamps is like. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose it depends on the fitness of someone like Rabio. And, you know, you'd think that Shuameni's likely to be a starter. Um, and, and, of course, where is Griezmann going to play? Because he is very much that link man, isn't he? He's not really a forward. He's not really well, I a think midfielder. It... You're talking about a midfield where there'll be mid-game substitutions. Mm. And I think he's the kind of player who will run on the field and start taking names. Mm. So even if he doesn't start, maybe in the first couple of group games, we're going to see him. And he's going to make an impact. Mm. Yeah. And that will then make him uh, more likely to get a start later on. Hopefully. Yeah, 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 for uh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's great. And yeah. that uh, we will see him mm. in the Euros. And I think he could be a difference maker there. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I just, I just think he is one of those players that he his age almost defies his his ability defies his age. One of the other way around, he's just so good. He looks like a generational talent. He he sort of reminds me of like when Fabregas went into the Spain squad, for example. It just doesn't look like it. anything will phase him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does make the step up um, to that level next summer. But as you say, Deschamps will be his own man. So. We shall see, um, but more than more than meriting his uh, call up. Um, and by the way, just as we end off the podcast this week, if you haven't seen, uh, I don't know if it's on Twitter as well, but it's certainly on the Instagram. Um, the FFF always send out a video, basically, of the the players arriving at Clairefontaine, and you get to see uh, them step out watches. of the car and walk. Up. Um, watches is one thing. Outfits. Uh, a lot it, of watches, a lot of tracksuits. Well, you say tracksuits. Have a look at the outfit that Jules Koundé, who is who's, who is known for being <laughs> quite the open dresser in terms of his style. Um, very interesting get-up. I'm not even going to tell you. I'm just going to let people go and look for themselves. But it's quite the it's quite the look. Um, is all I'm going to say. There's a few questionable looks, but his is. Um, is definitely standing out for me anyway that'll do that uh right uh just before we go um final league on a table before the international break psg atop uh clear of nice monaco lille rams and and Lens um, down to six love brass nantes marseille and Metz down to 11th with montpellier 12th Rennes 13th toulouse 14th and strasbourg 15th lorient in that uh, relegation playoff spot in 16th with clermont and despite their win Lyon down at the bottom obviously with games in hand as we mentioned earlier on the next fixtures 
uh, do not take place for another fortnight. So, uh, yeah, try and make use of the time as best you can because there ain't much going on. Um, but obviously, see if you can uh, tune into the France games if you can, um, if you want to, basically. Um, right. I think that'll do us for this week, uh, Phil. Happy travels. And, um, yeah, we'll aim to be back next week, depending on what happens, basically. But thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And uh, very best wishes to uh, Jez, who's got a lot on his plate at the moment, work-wise as well. So I'm sure he'll be back with us as soon as he can. Um, But whatever you are doing, whether you are watching the France games uh, or indeed just taking a break from it all, uh, enjoy your French football or indeed your downtime. And we will speak to you very soon.